Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Tamar Shaheen. He is a CEO, serial entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, executive coach, business mentor, consultant, author, and investor. He's helping business owners scale their businesses, keep their sanity, and get the impact and lifestyle they started their business for in the first place. Tamar, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate it. Yeah, you have an incredible story of success after failure. Can you share your story with us? Sure. Let me give you a very small snippet of what happened good first, and then I'll get into the the big crisis moment because most people talk through their journey as in like something was bad and then, and then it was great. I kind of have it a little bit in reverse. I started off initially as a, a professor in at university with engineering because I really believed in the education system. And then when I actually started going into the education system, I realized that we were stuck back in the days of the industrial revolution. And that's where the education system is from, dishing out sort of factory workers and employees and not people to lead and run their own businesses and take risks. I left that and I joined the government for a while, trying to change education from there. There's a link that you'll see as we go through. As I moved into government, I headed up a national productivity fund actually in the UAE. I moved from the UK to the UAE for a while. And... um, We were funding, it was a multi-billion dollar fund, and we were funding small, medium, large-sized businesses of all sizes. But I got to see what best practices were, what worked, what didn't, worst practices, and believe me, there were a lot. At the same time, I I had several of my own side businesses that I'd started even back from the day when I was a professor at university. And they had grown to seven-figure businesses. Some of them worked, some of them didn't, but a couple of them were, were multiple seven-figure businesses. I also started investing uh, in other smaller enterprises and other small businesses and startups. One of those startups really caught my attention, and I decided to do an absolutely crazy thing, which was leave a mid-six-figure tax-free salary with a very sort of high position where I had an entire team underneath me running a, a national fund. And everyone said I was crazy because I moved into this tiny company that I had invested in and helped start up. And it was four people at the time, and I wouldn't have been able to pay myself a salary. So, and everyone said, why are you crazy? And in my head, it was, I was really, I I found out that I was an entrepreneur at heart and running businesses and growing businesses was what I wanted to do. I ended up growing this business to hundred million dollars within the space of about 18 months. And life was great. I had the entire lifestyle, the sports cars, the houses with the swimming pools, the whole thing. And here's where the butt happens. Most people stop here. This is where my, my journey actually starts. In a matter of 30 days, that all went completely crumbling down. We had an eight-figure project that we were delivering for a really large, strong client, which I'm not going to say the name of. And we successfully delivered that project. Three days after we delivered that project, they turned around back to us and they said, we've changed our administration and we're no longer honoring any past contracts. And we're basically not going to pay you a penny. We were absolutely devastated. We had gone all in into this project. It was a huge project. We hadn't got paid. We thought this client was strong enough that we would trust that they would pay us when we actually completed. Big mistake. 
big learning lesson. And we had also promised a lot of subcontractors that we would pay them when we got paid. We didn't get paid, so we couldn't pay them. It was an absolute nightmare. Within the space of 30 days, it started off me coming back from the US to my house and it had completely flooded. This is like the series of disasters that, that, that had sort of gone through. My house had completely flooded. The ceiling had from the first floor had flooded onto the ground floor and the furniture had fallen through the ceiling and it was just a complete nightmare. I'd moved into a hotel and at that point, this is when this, this incident happened. My business partner was flying back from Dubai to London in England so that he would actually be there for his wife's third baby. They were having a baby. And he called me up at the middle of the night on his way from the airport in Dubai. And he said, Tama, I've just been arrested. Can you come pick me up? Can you come and bail me out of prison? I've just come and pick me up. And I went there and he said to me that the subcontractors had filed a case against him because we hadn't paid them. And in Dubai, when you sign a post-dated check, which is what he did, the person who signs the check, not necessarily the business owner, even though he was, but the person who actually signs the check is personally and criminally liable for that check, even if you're a limited liability company. So he was the one who'd signed the check. He was the one who was behind bars. And it was crazy. I had to call his wife the next day to tell him his, his, her husband is not coming back to be there for their baby's birth. And it was just horrendous. And I saw him behind bars and it was a mad rush to sell everything that I had to negotiate with the subcontractors to try and get him out of prison time, get him out of the country. I ended up selling everything I had, getting myself personally in debt to the tune of about two and a half million dollars. I got my parents back in the UK out of retirement to remortgage their property because he didn't have that, that, that kind of funds and, and resources so that he, we could pay but I did from different means. Anyway, we got him out of the country. We got him out of prison, negotiated all of that. And I, both he and I went back to England, tails between our, le our legs. And the only thing that I did, whilst we were actually in Dubai at the same time as well, when I say to you 30 days, just everything was going wrong. I was trying to sell my car to a dealer so that I could cover the last salaries of the people that were in the business. We had already had to let go of about 120 people. We had three branches across the world. I had to let all of them go. I had to, and you see these faces where people had actually moved country to be part of this business, which was growing rapidly. Um, and to let them go was absolutely heartbreaking. And I had two people left and I went to try and sell my car and it just blew up. It went up in flames in front of the dealer. It had just been serviced a few days ago and literally the people had forgotten to connect a hose. And in a hot country, whilst it was running, whilst I was showing it to the dealer, it just went up in flames. And it was just a metaphor for, for the entire whole thing. It was just, you couldn't make this stuff up. Everything that, was that could possibly go wrong was going wrong. Came back to England when all of that was, was through. Two and a half million dollars in debt. And I just did the thing that I knew what to do was start up another tech company. I started up another business in the space of mental health, digital health, a tech product, which got an innovation award. We got funding. I was able to settle all my debts personally. And I gave, that's where the one that I gave a TEDx talk on. And you say, 
great, Tama. You, 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 you sort of recovered and you paid back your, your debts and everything. But I wasn't fine. I was miserable. I was hiding. I became a hermit. A lot of people, I had, in my opinion, I had let a lot of people down, a lot of employees that I'd had to let go, a lot of people that I still owed money to as a business, um, that some contractors thought that we were trying to scam them, that we we had actually been paid and we couldn't pay. We couldn't take that strong client to court, by the way, because they were just too strong. We would have lost even more money. And I just hid. And I realized afterwards that I, had prob- I was probably suffering PTSD or a form of it. Every morning I'd wake up with huge amount of anxiety and panic, and it just wasn't right. I decided to have a rethink about all of this because yes, I had now got another successful company and we were great, but why was I miserable? Why was I hiding from everyone? And I was speaking with a friend and, and, and he was talking with me and, I, and he was like, what's your problem? He might have not said those words, but that's kind of how I interpreted it. And I said, well, I feel guilty for letting all these people down. And he said, well, how is this person? And I said, well, that person's fine. And he said, well, how's that person? I said, well, they're actually fine too. And how's this person? They're fine. How is your business partner who actually was in prison? Is he still there? I said, no, he's come back here. He's with his family. He's not doing terribly well. He actually went and got a job. He didn't want to be part of running businesses anymore, but he's, he's happy. He's fine. He said, so what's your problem? And it, that really took me by surprise because what I realized was that I had actually never dealt with failure before. I had never really failed up until that point. And failing for me was something that I just couldn't come to terms with. And we grow up in this society, which comes back to the education thing. We grow up in a society where our education system conditions us to fear failure. It conditions us to don't fail your exams, don't fail your tests, don't fail this. If you fail, you're not going to get get a good job. If you go and get a job, you must do well. Otherwise you'll get fired. Yeah. And when you grow up in with your family, don't do this. What will people say of us? Well, so all of this gets embedded and and ingrained in the way that we feel how we should behave in society. And I had never failed. And I went back and I sat down and I kind of sat down and I rewrote my entire narrative. I had a revisit about how those events happened and how different people see, could have potentially seen them from different perspectives. And it's really funny because whilst it wasn't funny at the time, when you look back at something that happened many years ago, sometimes even if it was painful at the time, we look back and laugh at it, laugh at it and say, oh yeah, that was funny, but it probably wasn't funny back then. And the way that I saw that is that the perspective changed, but actually the incident actually hasn't changed at all. It's just, we're seeing it from a different perspective. And that's what I decided to do as I started looking at this whole thing from a different perspective. Had I not failed, I probably would have not been as good an entrepreneur as I am today. Had I not failed, I would have not met my my wife because I moved back to London and she was there and she was absolutely amazing throughout. And she knew that I was struggling through this. Had I not failed, I wouldn't have known my true friends because some of the friends, and I air quote, some of the friends that I had that were around me disappeared the minute the money went away. And 
the true friends who actually I didn't think were close friends. They were the ones that were coming and calling. And I had one friend collect about $2,000 from different friends and accounts and gave them to me. And he said, like, here, I couldn't, this is all I can give you. And that person, $2,000 for that person is a lot of money. And I was like, how can I help you? I'll repay you. And he said, no, buy me dinner someday when you're back to normal. That was when it was going through. And you, you begin to see the real friends, the people that will be there when it matters. And it changed the way that I saw that entire event. And if I was to go back and change it, I wouldn't because I wouldn't, have be, I wouldn't be the person who I am today because of that. So if you that know, makes sense. Yeah. And I have a question for you because I see a lot of people see this on social media. They idolize maybe the position that you were in and the success that you have and they, that you had back then. Hmm. What piece of wisdom or pieces of wisdom would you give those individuals that maybe they look at that level of success or that type of success? And um, what are some of the things that they should consider before yeah. jumping into that? I think that's a really good question. And, and there are several factors. I, I think that one of the, the reasons why I'm talking about this now is that when I started talking about this to a small group of friends, they were saying, you need to talk more about this because when people look at this glamorous world of CEOs and entrepreneurs and, and how they've got to a certain stage, and it seems like it's an overnight success, but it's an overnight success that was probably 10 or 15 years in the making. And from my perspective, I wanted to start speaking about this because I wanted people to begin to appreciate what it takes to run a business. It's not easy and there are risks and there are opportunities that if you go about running your business the right way, it will give you a lot of reward, but it's not an easy path. And I just wanted to, to start talking about this to say that, hey, we can fail, even the best of us, even the people that have grown businesses to a large scale of $100 million can completely lose everything. And I think it's the more people that start talking about how we fail in society, the better that people can begin to start accepting it and accepting of it. And I think that that's one of the things that I really have taken moving forward is beginning to embrace failure and beginning to integrate failure. We don't live in a perfect world. So why should we expect that everything we do should be perfect the first time around and nothing ever fails. It doesn't happen. And, and it was one of the reasons why I've started this new company, CEO Entrepreneur, because when I was running through that entire experience, I was looking for help from people that had actually experienced this. Even before that failure, as I was growing, I would go and hire some of the best coaches in the world. And with all due respect, they had never run a business in their lives before, except for that coaching company, or they had never run a business to that scale. So they didn't know what kind of decisions you need to be making at that level. And it's very different growing businesses from zero to hundred K from hundred to 300, from 300 to a million, from a million to 10, from 10 to hundred and so on. Each stage requires you to think about your business in a completely different way. And I couldn't find the people that had that experience. And then when I was going through the failures, I couldn't find people that had failed so drastically and to help how to get out of it. And actually knowing not what to do is just as important as knowing what to do. 
and I couldn't find that it was a saturated market. Yes, there are lots and lots of business coaches out there, but nobody who had actually seen business from different perspectives that I would have wanted to listen to at the time. I've started businesses, I've succeeded, failed, and also funded businesses, invested in businesses. And that kind of made me say, well, actually, we need to have a place for entrepreneurs to understand how to run businesses. And that's why I started CEO Entrepreneur, where we do help small business owners really scale their business by understanding what it takes to run a business, what to do, and equally what not to do. Because if they don't do these, they're going to save a lot of costly mistakes, which we have suffered through. And I don't believe that everyone should. But at the same time, learn how to integrate failure into their business. And when things go wrong, what should they be doing and how should they plan for it ahead of time before it happens? Because it will happen inevitably. It will always happen. But being prepared for it is much better than sort of catching it completely off guard when you're off guard and, and, and it hits you in a way that is horrible. It, it was a really horrible experience at the time. Walking through that, what are you mm. grateful for? I'm grateful for true friends, family, and being able to understand that the people that you love and the people that love you are the most important thing. When I lost everything and I lost all of my material things, I didn't miss them at all. When we were sitting in Dubai negotiating with the subcontractors, with my business partner, I, after I'd bailed him out of prison, we couldn't find he had to break into his son's piggy banks so that we can collect coins and see how much money we've got to buy food over the next week. And it had got to that stage. But I, I think from my perspective, I didn't miss any of that at all. But what I really care more about now is family, loved ones, friends, and the ability to be happy and how you can actually be grateful for the times that you're happy that you're living in the today and not sitting down worrying about the past or the future. And I think that a lot of us forget that. It's made me more aware of living today and enjoying today because anything can disappear from us at any given point in time. But if we sit there regretting what's happened in the past and thinking about and dreaming about a possible future whilst sleepwalking through today, that's, that doesn't make sense to me anymore. I'm grateful for today and being happy today and for all the loved ones and family around me. I love that. What are some of the top areas you focus on in helping businesses uh, and business owners scale? That's a really good question. And I think the main fundamental area that I think entrepreneurs should start looking at is the ability to know how to run a business as, as they become the CEO of their business, for want of a better phrase. And that means there's a whole set of skill sets of learning how to focus on your business strategically, building a team, leveraging other people, as well as leveraging the growth of the business, rather than sitting down and becoming an employee within your business, which is what our education system trains us to do. And that's why we find it so hard that when we start businesses, we end up working inside them so much and being able to pull them out of that and being able to get them to have a look at their business from a bird's eye view and give them that space to do that. That's one of the biggest things. The other thing is about embracing failure. And I think that that's how we also begin to start looking at ways where 
people can test and split test, but also look at strategically what's the best case, worst case, and probable case scenario. And if you've got a worst case, can you survive that? Okay, then you can start making decisions. And I think that when you work that way, where you're always protecting potential things that go wrong whilst you're scaling and leveraging the people and the team around you, that makes a big difference. But also thinking strategically and making strategic decisions is really, really important. It's too underestimated at smaller size businesses. You hear about strategic thinking and strategic decision making in larger organizations. And because a lot of the fluff that gets put into the large corporate organizations, when we try and scale it down, a lot of people think it doesn't apply because it's a, there's a lot of fluff there. But when you actually really drill it down and bring through to the small businesses what's relatable and what actually works at that level, it's very, very powerful. Yeah, I think that's important, especially because when you're first starting out, as your income may not be so big that you could just hire tons of people. And Absolutely. you have to grow with it. And I think that I started hiring people immediately, VAs that were affordable from the Philippines just because I knew that uh, I needed help or I'd go insane. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. That's the thing. I, I think it's really important to understand and, and not a lot of people will do what you do, but you leverage what you can at the moment and just and what you can justify. So if that means you need to get some VAs from abroad at this moment in time until you can start building a better team, then do that. If that means that you have zero money to start with, and that's also a possible thing where you have to do everything yourself, that's also fine. However, the way that we talk with our clients and with entrepreneurs in general and on my YouTube channel is that I would say, I would say to them, think about how your business will operate in three years time. Imagine that, draw down a structure and Put yourself as the CEO of that business. And what teams do you have within that business? What is it that you're trying to achieve? Why are you trying to achieve it? How are you going to navigate your way there? And then work backwards, rewind. And then you say, right, okay, this is what my business will look like in two years. This is what it will look like in a year. This is what it will look like in three months. And this is what it looks like today. Okay, I'm only one person. Today, I wear the hat of marketing. Tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to wear the hat of sales. The day after that, I'm going to wear the hat of finance. Today morning, I'm going to wear the hat of the CEO. But you wear the other hats of the other people knowing that that's not your role. And I think that we get that completely sort of, it gets diluted because we lose sight of that because we're sitting there busy doing everyone else's role and not doing our own of what we should do. So carving out that time where you say, I'm going to block out these hours in the day to do my role as the CEO, and then I'm going to block out that time to do the finance or the marketing function. That's how you would go about doing it. And then as you can justify hiring a marketing person, then you say, right, okay, that gets delegated to that person and we've got the right processes and the systems. Okay, let's train this person, get them to operate. And then we keep on expanding until at three years time, you've built a business that has all of these teams of what you've kind of structured from the start. And this is how we go about advising all of the small business owners, because we know we live in the real world. Not everyone's going to have funding from the start to be able to run their business. And that's a lot of the things where people say, yes, it's all good and well saying work on your business, not in your business, but I can't afford anyone else. So this is the way to go about it. How you've been helping business owners become more profitable? I think we've done it a lot in a way. We've got some tremendous results. And the reason behind it is 
we get them to start thinking about their business as the CEOs of their business. And that mindset shift is really, really important because they begin to start valuing their time in terms of how much value they can add back into the business. If they're sitting down there working on something that they can outsource for $1,000 and they can be at the same time going and generating a contract value of $50,000, then that is definitely worth their investment of that $1,000. And the way that they begin to think about that makes a huge impact on their business. And then when they start thinking strategically, where they say, right, this is where I want to be. How am I going to get there? And these are the potential obstacles that can be in my way. And this is the way that I'm going to navigate myself, almost like a GPS, where you're saying, this is how I navigate my way through the potential obstacles. It makes a huge impact because everything then becomes aligned and they're not sitting there trying to do random things. You hear somebody say to you today that you need to run Facebook ads and then tomorrow you need to go on your LinkedIn and the day after you need to go and do sales and the day after that, let's launch a new product. And it's all random. I'm not saying that none of these things are important. They are important, but they need to all be aligned together. And when you've got that singular vision of what you're heading towards and how all of these things integrate with each other and at what stage, that makes a big impact rather than just trying everything. Because people will then try something it doesn't work for a day and then they go and try something else and they're bouncing around like a pinball machine between all of these like new trends and what people are talking about and they don't know what works and what doesn't work. Well, you haven't tested it long enough because you haven't made it part of your longer term strategy. And that mindset makes a huge impact on their profitability and, and, and their bottom line. I love that comment that you made because I work with a lot of individuals that even if we, if we do like a marketing strategy, say, and it's a 90 day and we're, we start to get to the, okay, these are the three projects with the due dates and the KPIs that we're going to measure to see what the ROI is. And I would say about, oh, about 50% that I walk through the process, start, we start with everything they could possibly do and narrow it down. They'll get really passionate about something, not have a plan, not have the due dates, not have the, we haven't gotten to that yet and start just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Oh, now I know all the tactics. Now I got all the, all the information. And they think that that's the solution. When you said something that was really, really key, it's let's start with the low hanging fruit, get the ROI on that and test the ROI and see if it's working and let's give it 90 days. Yes. Absolutely. And, and give it the time that it needs to, to take so that you can start seeing results. And that's something that not a lot of people do. Actually, a funny story on our Firestarter program, we had one person who joined the program and he watched the first module that we have, which is on mindset, which is the ability to hire people. And this is what your role is as a CEO. And, and we were just laying down the foundations and we were saying, wait until we begin to look at the budget and we begin to look at your finance and have the right systems and processes. But he hadn't got to that stage where we say wait, and he went and hired 11 people that he had to let go pretty much almost immediately because he hadn't even thought about all of the other things because it would be too soon. You need to make sure that you've got the right systems and processes in place first before you can hire. So things come in order and they're there for a reason. Because if you start hiring people, for example, without systems and processes in place, they're going to come in and do whatever the hell they want and not know that that's actually what you wanted. And this is the something that you've been testing for a long time that would have taken maybe 90 days to test and actually take it through the process. And they'll just come in and do whatever they want. So I completely agree with you. Things need to be done in order. And 
one of the things that we do work with, with potential entrepreneurs who are trying to scale their business is where we say, you need to be patient. Running a business is about discipline and patience. It's not about running. It's not about being at a theme park and a roller coaster ride where, or a drug where you're completely high on it. And then you just have the crash afterwards. It's all about discipline and patience. The businesses that succeed are the over a long period of times are the ones that really establish the right systems and processes to remain disciplined and patient and have enough cash to make the errors and learn from them. And once you can do that, then you've survived enough to actually break even and make a lot of profit after that. But it's that early stage at the beginning where people are throwing spaghetti at the wall everywhere. If they haven't planned it right, that's why, unfortunately, a lot of businesses fail. Yeah. Definitely. Let's talk about scaling your business and having a great lifestyle, that life and business balance that everyone tries to reach. They kind of seem a little bit contradictory. So how do you help entrepreneurs achieve that? And and what's kind of your perspective on that? Great question. I think I prefer the term harmony than balance because balance kind of gives the indication that it needs to be a split. You have to have a 50-50 split or a 50-60 or 40-60 or or whatever. And I think harmony is, is a better way of looking at things because everyone is going to be different and everyone's harmony levels are different. Some people enjoy working. Some people, if you tell them, sit down and do nothing on a beach, they'll be bored. Whereas other people don't want to be working and want to be sitting on a beach whilst their business brings them in money passively. And what we do is we sit down with every business first to try and establish what their harmony looks like, because there are no two business owners that are alike and no two businesses that are alike. So the strategy that you put down for each business is going to depend on what you want out of your business and how it's going to satisfy you. Then we will help them put down a strategy that helps their business serve them, not the other way around. And I think that that is a big distinction because a lot of people go into business and end up being slaves for their business rather than having their business serve them in the way that they want it to. If you want your business to become completely passive, then we start looking at systems and automation and other things where you can then almost have it almost like a franchise model. You can then fly across the world and do whatever you want. However, if you want to build a system where you want to be working in for an X number of hours and you want to grow a team and you're inspired by running the team and growing a vision and all of that great stuff, whilst having going away for four weeks and coming back without the place going on fire, then that's also a way that you can then begin to start looking about how do you start delegating authority rather than just delegating tasks, which is a huge distinction. So these are the things that we start looking at. And every business owner is different. If you want to grow a business that's going to be sold in five years, it has a completely different strategy to a business that you want to hand down to family or a business that you want to have an IPO or get funding for. And each one of those has a different path. And what we try to do is look at that in the same place with the kind of the harmony of what that business owner wants to get out of that business and their lifestyle and make sure that that's then balanced, ironically. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. But you serve three different avatars on your website. And I'm wondering what one piece of advice you would give to each one. You One you call the lone wolf, one's Mm. the one that is the comfort zone entrepreneur, and then one that has a bunch of tools, but it's not really fixing anything. What's maybe one piece of advice you would give each one of those individuals? 
I think there are individuals that have a mix of all of these and to leveling degrees. And I think that for the lone wolf, they're the people that are probably running around a lot like headless chicken. And they're the ones that are complaining they don't have enough time and they want more time. And being able to get them to understand that by leveraging other people and growing a small team around them, actually they will get even more time for themselves. So it's a, it's a matter of sometimes relinquishing control to gain back even more control. And it sounds counterintuitive in the beginning, but actually it's what helps them to be able to understand how. And at the same time, the lone wolf sometimes is quite lonely. They, they want to have other people to speak to. In some cases, people don't. They say, I don't want to hire people. I, I just want to. But then we give them other options of like where you can outsource like you do to some BAs in, in the Philippines, or you can do this or that. There are a whole different bunch of solutions to be able to build a team around you that work for that person so that, again, the business can serve you, not the other way around. The comfort zone entrepreneur is more of a, is more of a, a dilemma for us because are you a person who actually wants to grow your business? Because what we assume is that the people that come on our website looking for help to grow their business are people that want to grow their business. If they're in that comfort zone, then they're not growing. You need to step out of your comfort zone to grow and being able to start looking at how they can master their, their fear of growing. Is it the imposter syndrome? Is it perfectionism? Is it, there are a whole bunch of things where you start looking at, okay, why are you staying in that comfort zone and you're not risking to go out of it at all? Because the only way that you will grow is when you feel uncomfortable. Otherwise you're not growing. you're comfortable. That's where you you are. It's a case of us looking in terms of the mindset and what kind of strategies and tactics and tools we can give them to enable them to start looking at their business as a CEO from a place of discipline and patience. And when you start removing those emotions out of it, they can then start taking that risk to become a little bit more uncomfortable because the decisions they're making, even though it's uncomfortable, is not really affecting their high and lows of emotions. And finally, the ones with tools, you see a lot of people tinkering away at different tools because they're jumping around from one tool to another and they've got the shiny object syndrome, but they haven't sat down and thought about it. And I, I'm, I'll admit I, I'm one of those. I love new tools and I, and I have to keep myself in check every once in a while. And I have my team keep me in check as well. I have a little time where I call it Tama playtime, where I just, it's, a couple of hours that I block out from uh, in the week where I just sit down as part of my work, where I play with new tools. And we allow that for people to do that, but we then make them understand that playing with all of these tools that are not necessarily getting you anywhere is not the solution. Maybe one of them will work in the future and you can put that as part of your plan and in, as long as it fits in with your overall st- strategy, but your systems and processes need to come to serve the overall strategy of your business and the way that we map that to their strategy and then begin to then understand what kind of systems they need to have in in place and what kind of tools will serve those particular systems and strategy, then it becomes a much better way to to look at things. And they still have a lot of fun because if they're tool people, they want to have a look at this new tool. And we just guide them a little bit in the way where we say, right, this is how you actually look at your systems. This is how you look at your tools and techniques and processes and how that then funnels down to, to your team and 
and so on and so forth. That's kind of, and, and, and like I said, everyone has a mix of everything. Nobody's completely on one side, but you, you tend to see them a little bit more on, on one or the other. Your systems seem to sort of work across a lot of different industries. Can you share some of your client success stories? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, it, it's funny because yesterday I had a, a group coaching call on, on our Firestarter program and we had businesses that were from the US, from Canada, from Australia, from the UK, from the Netherlands, from France, from Australia, from the Caribbean, all over the place. And, they, and these businesses are also completely different. We've got people that are coaches. We've got people that have a trucking company. We've got people that are lawyers. We've got people that are YouTubers. We've got tech people, tech businesses. And it's so surprising. And I actually made this comment yesterday on, on the call. I said, isn't it so surprising how diverse we are in terms of region and business type of business? Yet we've even got somebody who runs a dog shampoo business and somebody who does journals, online journals for children. And yet all of their problems are the same. Every single one has exactly the same problems during the different stages of their business business growth. It's got nothing to do with the actual thing that they're selling, whether it's a product or service. It's how you grow your business. And some of the success stories we've had, we've had one company where they are a communications-based company for healthcare, and they used to have a, a name called the English-speaking company, which was very confusing for a communications company for healthcare. And we actually helped them rebrand completely and reset their strategy. They didn't have a lot of recurring revenue, and that was something that we also fixed for them. And I think within the space of about seven, seven to eight months, they, they grew their business 10 times in revenue consistently. And, and we've got another business where we gave them a piece of advice as part of our program as well, which most people would say is completely the wrong advice, but it was the advice for them that really worked. They had a free Facebook group. And not, uh, this was a coach. And they had a free Facebook group of over 5,000 people. Yet their sales were very, very low. And we recommended to them to shut down their free Facebook group. And she turned around to us and said, what, are you crazy? Everyone else tells me to have a free Facebook group. That's how I funnel my people in. And, I, and we said, yes, but your business is around giving people a purpose, a vision of belonging to something. It's, it's a mission. The minute they join that free Facebook group, they feel that they've already part of this community. They're part of this mission. Shut it down and then try and sell your product. She shut it down. Her sales went through the roof and she got completely so fully booked in terms of her business. And it's these kind of things where I, I say to you, every business is different. You can't have this generic group program where we just dish out the same thing. Every business is going to be different and their problems, whether it's from product portfolio, whether it's pricing strategy, and that's where strategy comes in. Whereas you say, actually shutting something that most people say you should have, shutting it down is going to make your business grow. And it did. And there's a whole bunch of other ones. We've got, like I said, we've got YouTubers now who've, who've gone through, there was one person this is the last example I'll give. His name is Tom Solid. Uh, he's got a paperless movement YouTube channel. 
He's got about 60,000 subscribers. He used to have his, his YouTube channel about with, his YouTube channel was about digital note-taking for students. However, students don't have a lot of money, but he had a lot of audience. And as we started analyzing his audience with him, he began to realize that there were quite a lot of businesses that were looking at digital note-taking as well. And he changed his complete strategy, his avatar, his membership. He increased his price of his membership tenfold, which he was very scared of. Because now we were saying that this is the audience and this audience will pay for this membership. His membership went through the roof. And now he's now become a productivity digitalization digitization expert rather than just digital note-taking. And the focus is slightly different for a different avatar. So it's these kind of things that really, really sort of you begin to see. And it gives us a lot of joy when we see all of these businesses flourish and thrive and grow. It's, 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 it makes me happy. Sorry. Yeah. I love that. I love that because you're right. You're pointing out things that just people don't think about. So many do go after just the, the shiny objects. And it's some of those things when you start to dive deeper into your processes and everything that uh, you do, you find the gold there. And it's hard to do that for yourself. It's hard to have that, the value of, of somebody else looking in that knows what they're talking about and say, well, if you did this, or how about that? Or look at this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I was saying earlier that strategy does work even down at this level of small size business. It really does. And it makes a huge difference. And the businesses that make it are the ones that really have made that decision where it it makes all the difference. And you're sitting there looking at other businesses saying, hey, my product or service is infinitely superior to that business. Why are they making so much money where I'm not? And the reason is that they've probably thought of something that you have. And it's us beginning to look at the business from that bird's eye view, which makes a big, big difference and makes you stand out. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So what do you think has been your truth that's gotten you this far in your journey? I'm going to say something which sounds very um, cliche, but being honest with myself and with people, I didn't want to start this business and start saying, Hey, look, I know how to run amazing businesses and here's my Ferrari and here's my this and this and this. I want people to know that, Hey, I failed miserably. I've fallen flat on my face. I I think from my perspective is being true to myself, having that integrity, no matter what embracing failure as well is another truth that I've now recently added onto my toolkit because that wasn't something that I had before. And because of that journey that I had, I, I think embracing failure is a big part of our business. It really is. We integrate it every single decision we make. We know that if we fail at this, we know how to get out of it before. So if it happens, it's no big deal. And we're not in shock and we're not living in fear of something happening, which makes us make even better decisions and more risky decisions sometimes because we say, okay, if it fails, it's not the end of the world. That's fine. You have to fail to know what it takes to succeed. And I learned that the hard way. And I just hope that people learn it as not in, not as hard as I did, I guess, is, <laughs> is the way that, that, that I would like to put it. And that's why we've done, we've set up CEO entrepreneur. We're not going to, and again, when people come into the, to, to our program, we say, Hey, things are going to go wrong, but that's good because you're going to learn that that doesn't work. And the secret of actually being successful in business is 
figuring out what doesn't work until you find out what does, and then you make that into a process and then you scale it and leverage it. And if you can maintain enough cash flow until you get past that point of like making all those mistakes, then the sky's the limit. And that's why it takes, it's, it's an overnight success, 10 years in the making for most people. Yeah, definitely. So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? I think, I think you probably can guess it by now. It's okay to fail. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah, it is okay to fail. You have to fail in order to succeed. You have to try all the stuff. Definitely. One thing I want to add is with around like social media, for example, it makes me think initially, just like everybody else, I thought, oh, if I'm just famous on social media, I'll succeed. Wrong. (laughs) What are you going to, what are you famous for? Can it be a business and can you monetize it? And are you passionate about it and actually like it? Yeah. Yeah. And all of those matter. All All of them do. Yeah. Yeah. And I had somebody yesterday that contacted me, had half a million people following him. And he's like, so how do I make money? (laughs) 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 I'm like, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. I've actually heard that more, more than you think. I've, 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 I've had people reach out to me from who are big influencers with a lot of followers who don't know how to monetize themselves. Whereas you see a lot smaller influencers who, who can actually make a lot of money. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's learning how to run a business is a vital component if you want your business to grow. It's not just about learning how to be the expert in that space. Yeah. Yeah. You have to learn the business aspect and yeah. you have to decide what business you're going to actually run that people will buy things from you. That's so. right. And that's why I'm sure you, when you do marketing strategy for, for your clients as well, it will help them a lot because it is then it's, it's all about that strategy thinking section. It really makes a big difference. And then when you start playing it out and being patient enough, it will come through. But a lot of people are too impatient. And that would be another thing that we tell people is be patient. Yeah. It takes a while to get your business to grow. Yeah, it does. If there are people that are listening and they would love to get a hold of you and check out your programs, what's the best way to contact you? Well, the best way is to go to our website, ceoentrepreneur.com. On there, you will see a button which takes you to a triage, which is a free quiz. If you take that quiz, it will help you immediately identify what your strengths and weaknesses are in the business. It will give you a free customized report. And from there, you'll be able. To, it will give you indications of whether or not you qualify for our Firestarter program, and we'll reach out to you, or you can apply. Uh, it will give you instructions to do that. What I also recommend is for people, if if they're interested, is to go and have a look at the YouTube channel that we've got. It's called CEO Entrepreneur, and um, we give a lot of advice there on how to scale your business without sort of losing your sanity. Yeah, I absolutely love your YouTube channel. I'm a Thank huge you. fan. Yes, definitely. So check that out. And I will put all those links down below as well. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. Thanks, Amy. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Yes, definitely. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone. And have a wonderful week.